Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, guys? Joe McCall, the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Man, I got another great episode today. I am uh, so excited. I've been doing a lot of episodes and podcasts lately talking about land investing. And I got a good friend on. His name is Dan. And he's going to be talking about why vacant land is such a huge blue ocean right now. Sounds kind of like oxymoron, vacant land, blue ocean. But it's not. There is so much opportunity right now, especially with where the market is going. Dan is a really smart guy. You're going to find out from them. He talks a lot about inefficient markets. And you may be like, well, what does that mean? So we're going to be talking about why the housing market is or real estate, like different types of real estate are so inefficient and how maybe that can be a good thing. There's a lot of opportunity right now. Vacant. You've heard me talk about this for a long time in my own business and other people's businesses that I'm working with and interviewing for the podcast. There's a lot of people that are killing it right now with vacant land and hardly anybody knows about this. Hardly anybody is doing it. You may think, well, tons of people are doing it because you listen to really good podcasts like mine, and I talk about land investing a lot. But when you look at the big scheme of things, very, very few people are know anything about real estate investing, number one. Very few of them even know about vacant land investing, and very few of them are actually doing anything about it. So you may think everybody's talking about it because I've been talking about it or other podcasts you listen to have been talking about it. But still, it's a huge blue ocean right now. We're going to be talking about that on the podcast. All right, I got a free giveaway for you first. A few pieces of homework right now. Number one, if you are watching this on YouTube or listening to this on an audio podcast, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you all. Please give me a thumbs up, like this video, like this podcast, subscribe to my podcast channel, subscribe to my YouTube channel, whatever it is, and uh, comment. Let me know what you think of the show, what you think of this episode. It's different questions that I should be asking that I'm not asking or different things you want to hear about. Uh, if you can, leave me a review um, in iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts at, and just let us know what you think. Subscribe to the show, leave a review, give us a thumbs up, comment. I'd really, really appreciate it. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I got a free gift for you. I want to give you something really cool here. This right here, what I'm holding in my hands, is a contract of a deal that I did with my son. Well, actually, this is a different deal. This deal I did with my son. It's a property in uh, North Carolina, 5.08 acres. We bought this property for $7,600 and we sold it for $19,300 and had a profit of over $11,000 on this deal. And this contract right here, it's a one-page contract. It's all wrinkled because I've been have, it's been sitting here on my desk for a long time, is what made it all happen. And I'm going to give this contract to you for free. You can get it at simplelandcontract.com, simplelandcontract.com. You go there, opt in. I will send you that contract for free, no strings attached. Um, well, the only string attached is you need to give us a good email address so that we can email you then that contract. Completely free, simplelandcontract.com. On the page after that, when you opt in to get that, I'll give you a little invitation to join a webinar that I've done where I teach people how to flip vacant land learn how to do it for yourself and see what the buzz, what all the talk is about. All right, so go to simplelandcontract.com and uh, you'll be glad you did. Let's bring on Dan. And uh, Dan, how are you? Joe, I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. You're with a company called uh, Front Range Land. 
Front Range mm-hmm. Land, right? And um, Dan, how do you pronounce your last name? Habercost. Habercost. I'm sorry, I knew that, but I was afraid to butcher it and mess it up. It's okay. All right, so where where, where do you live? Colorado Springs. Beautiful. My daughter has a gymnastics tournament there uh, in February. Okay. I won't be going, but she's got a big thing there, and it's beautiful. I wish I could be going. Yeah, I, I love living here. All right. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get into real estate investing? To begin with? Sure. So that goes back to when I was 16 years old. I was living in Ohio where I grew up, and I worked for a guy who owned a farm and a portfolio of rentals. And I started working for him younger than that. But by the time I was 16, he'd go to Aruba for a good portion of the year. And I'd be in charge of the farm and the rentals. And that taught me a lot about the sort of real estate that I do not want to own. Uh, see, you know, see properties. He had a very, uh, not a great dynamic with his tenants. Uh, so that wasn't a whole lot of fun. But I certainly learned a lot. Worked that through high school and Then in college, I was working full-time, running a landscaping company, going to school full-time. And I remember when I was about 20, I I reached a point where I was frustrated, right? I watched my friends go off to college and have fun, whereas I'm working full-time and going to school. But I thought, it is what it is. How do I take this skill set that I've accrued these past five or six years and start some sort of business when I'm done with school that allows me to accelerate myself financially uh, as an adult? And I started reading about investing, you know, stocks, different businesses. And like everyone else, it was rich dad, poor dad, where it's just light bulb. And so I ended up buying a duplex in Ohio before I graduated college. What year uh, is this? This was 2018. Okay. Yeah, I'm, tw- I'm 26. So shortly thereafter, moved to Colorado, wanted to go climb mountains and, and build, a, build a business out here. And so bought another house as soon as I moved out to Colorado as a house hack. Uh, and it was about that time I realized that all the low and no money down stuff is great for maybe a property or two. But if you want to build a portfolio, you need to figure out how to scale your income. And it was about that time that I met a guy here at the local real estate group, which I actually host now, who had been doing land and development for 40 plus years all over the country. Wow. And I would drive an hour south down to Pueblo. I don't know if you're all familiar with any of the other towns out here. And I would follow him around, help him wherever I could. And just learn from him. And I did that for over a year. And finally, then just started slowly participating in projects with him. And that ultimately is what led me into the niche of land and development and, and me starting Front Range Land. Left my last job in, in 2019. And ever since, just been buying and selling land, building spec houses, and buying more rental properties. There is a guy I've interviewed on my show who's from Colorado Springs, I think. Brent. What's his name? Oh, I, I know Brent very, very, very well. Brent Bowers. Bowers, thank you. Jeez, yeah. I wanted to say Daniels, but it's not. Brent, Brent Bowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know him, friends? Yes, yes. Do you business with him? Yes. Nice. Solid dude. I really mm-hmm. uh, interviewed him once or twice, I think, on my podcast. He um, was here last week, and he actually spoke at my real estate group in person here. Okay, cool. And yeah. do you know Michael Jake? Yeah, I've met him a few times. Don't know him that well, but I do know, uh, know him he, a little bit. He does a lot of house deals, but um, mm-hmm. I spoke, he used to run a real estate club in Colorado Springs. And probably yep. 10 years ago, I spoke at his RIA um, mm. about lease options. Oh, I I've, okay. I think I've spoken a couple of times, but great, yeah, beautiful place to be. Um, mm-hmm. And the cool thing about what you're doing, right, is you're, you're doing vacant land and uh, Colorado Springs, very expensive, very competitive mm-hmm. when it comes to houses, right? But mm-hmm. you have the entire United States in your backyard. Yep. You can do yep. vacant land deals anywhere. Okay, so talk Absolutely. about how you, you discovered land and uh, you started 
dabbling in it a little bit. What did you like about it? Why did why why did you decide to go into it? Yeah, so uh, Rich is the guy's name. He he taught me about land from the context of building houses. And so the first couple land deals I did were just going to find parcels so he could put another spec spec house on it, just assigning it to him. And so it's interesting, having done well over 100 land deals, I, I think the largest lot I've ever purchased was 1.6 acres. The vast majority of them have been quarter acre posted stamp lots because the, the space or the segment of land that I know is all infill. And my end user tends to be a builder or just the mom and pop is going to hire a builder to put a house on it for them. So that's the context I learned about land in. And, and part of it was just the availability of, hey, here's someone to teach me that uh, knows it very well. But Beyond that, it was just the the lack of competition. It's funny, you don't know what you have until it's gone. One of the first land markets I was in, well, I mean, I'll just say at Pueblo West, Colorado, it's slowed down now. I could spend $100, $100, and get a deal that would net between 12 and 15 grand, like clockwork. And I certainly well, missed those two years ago. This was, yeah, th- that was feasible for the second half of 2020 and a good portion of 2021. Um, and then that market is really slowed down. So it doesn't work so well there anymore. Some would say you think it is has slowed down, but I bet you a glass of iced tea. The new investor went into that market from housing mm-hmm. into that market and went into it. They would be blown away by how little <laughs> yeah. competition yeah. there is with that county in that area and how easy it is to get deals. Because it's funny, I see this a lot and I've seen this with houses. I hear people complain the same thing mm-hmm. about housing. I hear these guys that are doing really well, um, you know, doing 100 grand a month in houses, wholesaling or whatever, and they're still complaining about the competition. All oh, we remember back three years ago, five years ago, it was so easy. So it's all perspective. That's my whole point I wanted to make here. But um, Very true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you were doing some, were you selling these lots in that part of Colorado to developers? Yeah, mostly just small local builders. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then where did you go from there? So now I'm mostly in Florida and North Carolina. I'm still doing a few spec houses down in Pueblo, entry level stuff. But you know, when I think about it, and just the uncertainty, you know, coming these next couple of years, I think about where are the migratory patterns in our country, and especially where are people with money going. And so I think about my parents; they're baby boomers. I think they're a decent representation of the overall generation, where they're going to sell next year their house in Ohio. They're going to move to North Carolina. They're going to have cash for all or at least a good portion of their house. Uh, and a lot of people just like them are doing the same thing, but they're buying a lot and putting a new you know, three-bed, two-bath house on it all throughout the Southeast. Uh, so that's why I've, I've really pivoted to those two areas because you know the baby boomers are still going to retire. And, and with Florida specifically, it's so much more friendly to businesses you know, just anyone with m- money, there's a lot of people moving there just for that reason alone. And so I, I, I feel comfortable continuing to do business in those markets. And, you know, builders build, that's how they make their money. Very few of them understand how to go direct to seller and build out a marketing funnel for land. And yeah. so unless all the builders in the country go out of business, I'm still going to have an end buyer. Okay. Now I, I love that. Um, you're going after builders, like you're selling your lots to mm-hmm. mainly builders right now, right? Yep. yep. Okay. That's been your bread and butter the last couple of years. Are you seeing the, the the buyer demand slow down a little bit in Florida? It has slowed down, but it's certainly not gone. Um, it's still, I mean, just go last 30 days on Zillow, lots sold, and you're going to see thousands I was of gonna yellow say dots. That. We, we're, we're doing a deal right now in Lee County. 
Lee County, Florida. I'd have to look into it. Um, we're buying it for, we're trying to buy it for 18. The seller is at once 22 grand for it. But there are properties just in the last few days that have sold, sim- same properties mm-hmm. that have sold for 45 grand, um, 35 right. to 45 grand, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I'm used to doing cheap rural recreational land where I'm getting it at 25 cents on the dollar. Sure, this, sure. I'm getting it maybe 50, 45, 50 cents on the dollar. And that makes me a little more nervous about these kinds of deals. Um, but this is in an area, if I were to show you on a map, a satellite, you'd see a bunch of little houses everywhere and then a bunch of vacant lots everywhere. Right? Yep. Little quarter acre lots, nice subdivisions. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm looking at this thinking, maybe this is, I'm a little nervous, but then I just look, I go to Zillow and look at solds and there's a ton of solds that are, that are selling there in the last 60, 90 days. Yep. Um, that, so my, I guess my big question is like, even though in the last 10 to 12 months, things have really slowed down mm-hmm. in terms of selling houses, there's people still buying this land, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So a c- couple of thoughts I, wanna, I wanted to mention there in Florida, what I've been doing, there's a huge portion of people who own land and have been given unrealistic expectations about what it'll sell for. And so you'll see tons of 100 plus day listings. So ignore those entirely. Try and look at comps from the last 30 days, 90 days max, and then make sure that you're able to list it and still make your margin lower than everyone else in your area. That's how I've been doing it. I have my realtor pull comps and I, I'm the lowest in the area and I'm, I'm my expectation is in line and my, what I bought on is in line with the very recent sales. I don't care what it sold for in July because it's just not reality anymore. Um, and then my second thought to what you were saying is, in the North Carolina markets I'm in, they're a little bit slower. I don't have as many big builders there. Uh, so I expect 30 to 40 cents on the dollar there, sometimes even 20. In Florida, in the markets that I'm in where it's still moving, I'm comfortable closer to 50 cents. So you're buying at 50 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, one of the things that makes me nervous sometimes with Florida, with some of these properties, is I see uh, a whole lot of actives listings, right? Mm-hmm. I still see a lot of sold, but I see a lot of competition active listings. Um, does that make you nervous at all? Or are you, you're just looking at the solds and you say, man, these things are still selling. Just going to make sure yours is the cheapest. Yeah, that's how I deal with that. You know, we, we bought one a couple of weeks ago where that was the case, but the seller's listings relative to the comps were just out of this world, just unreasonably high. And so, you know, mine's, I think it was 14K or, or so lower than everyone else's. And again, in line as far as how I bought it with with comps, so uh, I'm I'm comfortable with that. So, are you using a realtor to sell these then? Some of them, and then some of them will will go direct uh, to builders. But in Florida, more often a realtor because I have a really solid realtor down there. Nice. We I was surprised how easy it was to get a realtor because I'm again I'm coming from this where we're selling rural lots. I've done some mm-hmm. deals in North Carolina as well, uh, Wilkes County, um, Jackson County, Macon maybe, and. Uh, um, in, in some of these areas and then in some other states, but like it's hard sometimes to find a good realtor yeah. because I'm I'm also selling these things for 15, 25 grand. Not mm-hmm. a lot of realtors in that area because it's so rural, number one, but also number two, I'm not there's not enough margin in there to, for a realtor to be interested in listing those kinds sure. of properties, right? And I'm finding with Florida completely different. And I'm looking in Zillow right now and I'm just kind of going into a certain area that I think my deal is in. I'm I'm pretty sure here. Can I share my screen? Because I think this is important for you guys. Yeah, I'm very familiar with Lee County too. All right, let me share screen. I'm looking at my camera here because the the, uh, thing is right in the way. Okay, let me 
share this. <clears throat> Boom. Okay, let me make it a little yeah. bigger. Ah, hold on, hold on. Sorry. All right, so that fills in the screen a little better. Yeah. Okay. Like Lehigh. Yeah. So I think my property is right around here somewhere. I I don't know. I'm just kind of going off of. But I wanted to bring up the point. Look at all these actors. Let me remove boundary. All these reds are active listings, right? But if I go here to solds, and then I go to sold in the last 90 days, <laughs> this blows me yeah. away. Look at that. Yeah. That's insane. 1,121 am I seeing there? Uh, yeah, 1,121 right there. And I, I know Lehigh very well. If you're on the far west side, that is the nicest side um, by uh -huh. far. And the duplex lots sell quite a bit more. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's zoom into one of these areas. Again, I'm not sure where mine is, but it's, I think mine, I, I, it's somewhere up here maybe. So if I'm looking at this and I got a seller that is, it's a quarter acre lot. Let me kind of show you, let me switch to where, okay, here we go. I'm going to switch to satellite and we'll zoom into some of these areas. And you see, like, there's a lot of these homes. I know it may be hard to see. If you're listening to the audio, I apologize. Just go to my YouTube channel. But you see these lots where there's vacant lots and then there's houses kind of all in mixed up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, let me zoom out. I'm going to switch back to for sales. And one of the things with Zillow is you have to make sure you also change the days on Zillow to any. Just in this area, there's 937 agent listings, 27 for sale by owner listings. And if I'm sorting this low to high, I see some of these quarter acre lots for 9,000, 9,000, 9,000. So if you're in this area, let's zoom in a little bit more. All right, the cheapest lot here is 10,800, and then 12,500, 12,500. Looks like a lot of those are the same. That doesn't make, they're using the same picture. Mm -hmm. So you, if you're making an offer on a property in this area, what would what offer would you make? Yeah, so it would depend. We'd need to get a little more zoomed in, but very likely you know, in the eight, eight-ish range, but we'd need to get a little more granular. And that's a big thing that's been different about how I've done land versus a lot of people I know. The idea in my mind of going after an entire county, I, I don't understand that, maybe in, unless it's incredibly rural. But you know, if you go after an entire county, you have different subdivisions, you have some rural land. I mean, so I really zoom in and pull lists based on different parts of a subdivision okay. where all of the pricing is the same. That, that's and, you're how sending, I do it. and then are you sending blind offers then? Yep. Okay. So if I if I'm zooming into this area, I'm seeing a lot of solds. The cheapest are twelve grand, thirteen grand, thirteen grand, and this is the last ninety days. So what do you want to sell yours for? Yeah. If I'm looking, okay, looking south of West 18th, that's where I'm seeing more 21, 16, 13, 27. I'm guessing the 27 is a half acre. That would be my immediate thought. Okay. Um, I would want to see if that 13 sold on market or if that was just someone uh, buying off market. Man, but probably six or seven K you need to be buying it for at max. I do a yeah. little more thorough due diligence, but that's my initial intuition based on what I'm seeing right there. So you'd buy it for six or seven grand, sell it for 13 grand. Would you list it with an agent for 13 grand? Well, no. Okay. So to be clear, I'm thinking that 13 was probably not an on market transaction. And it probably was because someone bought it off market. If that okay. is the realistic comp, then I'd want to buy it even lower. Okay. But you can see right away how unrealistically high a lot of those listings are. 42, 34, 43, mm -hmm. 55. That's why they're not selling. Yep, yep. And it's all over Florida. Everyone figured out, hey, Florida's really hot. And so they just were increasing their prices every month, you know, every couple months. And then, of course, that stopped. And so many of them don't need to sell because they bought this stuff 10 years ago at five cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So they're just letting it sit, you know? 
this this is what gets me excited about land. And this is why you may think, Joe, this does not look like a blue ocean to me. I mean, you're zoomed in and you see a ton of reds and uh, you go to switch to solds and you see a ton of yellows. Well, let me go back to sold in the last 90 days. This is why I'm looking at last 90 days. There's 16 solds in the last three months in this little window. This is why it is such a huge opportunity because there is so much demand. And if you're making the right offers, you're going to find, I don't know, one out of every 20, one out of every 30 offers you make are going to get accepted. Yep. Right? So make a bunch of offers and you can sell these things and still make really good money. The, the competition is something that you kind of need to ignore. Mm-hmm. The, competi- the competition is good. I mean, I would be more nervous, don't you think, if there were no solds yes. in this area? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny. You had you interviewed Brent. You interviewed Ray a month or two ago. A lot of guys yeah. I know. And we're all in the same markets in Florida. Yeah, we're all doing. And I, you know, I I think he showed a Palm Coast deal. Ray uh, went on, on your podcast. I'm yeah. buying. I bought one last week. There are two more. I'm buying later this month in Palm Coast. <laughs> it's just it, it really is endless. You know, a buddy of mine was helping me in a, in a little more complex market pull and price. And it's the same market he's in. It's not doesn't even occur to either of us to be concerned about the other because it, there's just there's so many lots there's so little competition yeah. and it really it, a blue ocean is a good word for it. I put a post in my I don't know if I'm going to be able oh sorry I don't know if I'm going to be able to find this in time but I put a post in my Facebook group. I looked at in the last six months how many vacant lots were sold to investors in the entire United States in the last six months. Oof. How many vacant lots were sold to investors? And how many houses were sold to investors? Okay. And I forget the exact number. I'd have to look maybe while you're talking. No, wait, wait. I can find it. I know right where it is. Let me show you some numbers with you guys because I think this will blow you away. Oh, I'm not going to be able to find it. Oh, okay. Here it is. Here, I found it. I found it. In the last 90 days, guys, there's been 2,800 vacant lots sold to investors. Now, I'm, I was only looking one to 20 acres, okay? Because that's what my course teaches mainly focusing on the 1 to 28. Mm. 2,800 vacant lots sold to investors in the last 90 days. Now, that was an LLC. In that same 90-day period, there have been 45,400 houses sold to investors. There were 16.2 times more houses than vacant land that were bought by investors. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the numbers deeper, only 261 investors. Now, I looked at LLCs, buying homes that bought more than one property in the last 90 days. There's only been 261 investors in the entire country that have bought more than one vacant lot in the last 90 days. And then if you look at, okay, there, there's 142 million total houses in the U.S. There's 48 million vacant lots in the U.S. Wow. So that means, check this out. This is my point I wanted to make. There are 30, There's 3,100 homes for every active house investor, right? For every yep. one active house investor right now, there are 3,129 homes. For every active land investor, there are 23,000 vacant lots available wow. to the vacant land investor. So that there, makes the point. It, I think it does. Mm-hmm. Just looking at like um, how much open the market, the how open the market is out there. All mm-hmm. right, so let's talk about you and what you're doing then again. You're targeting North Carolina and Florida, some of your main mm-hmm. areas. It's funny because you're not even worried about talking about which markets you are in because whatever. It's just not too worried about the... Co- Here's the other thing I'm seeing a lot now now too, Dan, is um, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of land investors who have been buying the land courses, a mm-hmm. lot of them flake out. They're in it it's for crazy. a few months and then they're out. Mm-hmm. One of my students, I won't say his name, talked to him yesterday and uh, he's too busy and he just can't do it anymore. 
and he doesn't like being behind a computer mm. and uh, just doesn't want to do it. He's out. He spent a lot of money on my program. He sent mm-hmm. about four or 5,000 letters. Oh, and um, is that right? No, he sent only about 3,000. Um, he's got 60, 70 leads right now sitting in his database. Oh my gosh. And and I'm sending neutral letters out. So, right. Yeah. Um, but, and I said, I'll take them. <laughs> he said, okay, fine. Yeah. I sure said, give a lot me of- your dead leads or the leads. They're not even dead. Give me mm-hmm. your leads and I'll just, I'll give you 25% of whatever I can do with those things. Is sure. that okay? I get it. My whole point of bringing that up is, yeah, a lot of people are buying land. It's much more interest. You know, guys like me are doing podcasts talking about it, right? But there's a lot of people getting into it, trying to get into it that are quitting. They're giving up. They may send a little bit of mail and then they're out. And then these invest, these homeowners, these vacant landowners are getting a lot of letters maybe, mm-hmm. but it's only a small percentage of people that are even ever calling them back. Yeah. That are even ever even following up mm-hmm. that will actually make offers wide open opportunity. All right, Dan. Yeah. I'm passionate about this. Oh, I agree. The, the follow-up is everything. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many deals we have gotten on yeah. the 20th follow-up. It's yeah. just a matter of being present so that when they are ready, they sell to you. You right. know, uh, there's some people you get that they are ready right when they get your first mailer. That happens sometimes. But a lot of times that is not the case. And having a good lead follow-up system is absolutely essential. Right. Okay, so you're doing a lot of follow up. I, I wanted to ask you about. Um, I want to ask you about that because I want to ask you about the tools that you use and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So your main thing right now is sending blind offers mm-hmm. to properties, right? How are you pulling your list? What are you using to do that? So I use PropStream, okay. and you know, in Florida, it's much easier because you're dealing with thousands of lots a lot of times that are almost identical. Uh, in North Carolina, it's a little more granular, but there's a yin and yang to everything because it is so much harder. If you can deal with that. I, in one of the markets I'm in, 1,200 mailers, we have gotten four deals off of for, it's looking to be a net once all sold somewhere around the 60 or 70 mark. It's, wow. it's crazy. So it's always a yin and a yang in that the harder it is, the more profit potential there is. Generally, the, the lower you can buy it as far as cents on the dollar, the less competition you have, or as Florida is the easier market with all that, but then it's more more competition and yeah. I buy more at 50 cents on the dollar. Okay. So let's talk about North Carolina then. Um, what are you targeting there? Uh, it's still all infill, <laughs> quarter acre up to an acre. And I really, I actually talked to my parents at markets they were looking at to retire in and then started looking around those areas. I, I was calling realtors, calling builders there. I personally want to see lots of new homes going up, lots of lots sold, of course. Uh, but it needs to still be affordable, right? I, I, like we were talking about earlier, I want to be where the major demographics in our country are going. And so a lot of these markets in North Carolina fit that, where you can still get a new home for 350 or 300 A used inventory, a lot of times selling in the 200s. That's still affordable. Interest rates aren't going to stop those markets if people want to live there. Wow. And then on the more uh, um, qualitative side, when you call investors, or excuse me, realtors or builders in Florida, Everyone's familiar with land investing. Everyone knows what assignments are. Everyone's very competent. Whereas when I call people and let me give you an example, in the North Carolina market, the first realtor I spoke to, I asked about a lot and he goes, oh, that's not listed. You can't buy that. (laughs) And that is the consistent response I was getting. In this this part of that state, nobody understands direct to market, direct to seller. Nobody knows anything about investing. You can list a lot on the market. That's the only way to sell. And so markets like that, when you see those signs, 
those tend to be, again, even more of a blue ocean because there's nobody else there that there's still demand. To my first point about lots of new houses, lots of lots selling, if you can find those two things together, demand, but no one fulfilling that demand and no one else mailing these owners, that is where you can get just obscene ROIs. All right. Now, I want to I wanna share something here um, in... What do you call this land watch? Let me see if I can share my screen here. No, this is this is a list source. All right, you see my screen? Uh-huh. What I've just did here, um, and I, I just wanted to maybe get your feedback on this. And sure. those of you listening to the audio, I'm sorry. I'm looking at list source, and I'm just pulling a list here of vacant land. So I went into, I did create your own right here. Zoom in mm-hmm. a little bit here, and then I did North Carolina last market sale date. I went to property, went to last market sale date, last three months. Property type, I did vacant land, okay? And then I'm going to do one more thing here. I'm going to go to lot area, and let's do lot acres. And I'm going to do 0.2 to 1. So you have to do 0.2, I think. 0.2. Right. That's a little less than a quarter acre to one acre Mm -hmm. lot, right? So I go back again to the left here. You see North Carolina, last market sale date, three months. 0.2 acres to one acre. Property type, vacant land. And there's been 2,800. Now, if I go to options, I'm going to say corporate owned, no preference. Because again, we don't care, right, if it's a LLC that bought it or an individual landowner, right? 3,648 vacant lots sold in North Carolina in the last 90 days. That's a lot to me. I'm looking at that. Yeah. That's a good number. That's really good. And if you go here to Zillow, I just did a search here in Zillow, sold in North Carolina. I did home type vacant land. I did lot size a little bit under a quarter acre to one acre, sold in the last 90 days. And uh, they're showing 3,300. So you're never going to get anything that's giving you the same results in both places. Sure. So then if I go here to purchase list, I'm going to pretend like I'm purchasing the list, but I'm not. I'm going to go to purchase partial list. I'm going to do custom selection. And I want to look by county. Now, North Carolina has, looks like 60-something counties, right? But now look at this. Brunswick has 495 transactions. Forsyth, 131. Gaston, 135. Johnson has 303. I go to page two. Wake County, 385. So the top two counties, I'm just looking at this, are Wake County and Brunswick County. So let's look at Brunswick County and Zillow. Brunswick County, North Carolina. This is near the coast. The border. A border of South Carolina and North, North Carolina. Yeah. All right. Now, you don't have to say if you're in this county or not, because I don't know. I think you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it tells yeah. me just that little search I just did, which was completely free, mm-hmm. right? It's near Wilmington. But oh my gosh, there's a bunch of activity here. And Zillow shows me there's 548, 578 results of sold. Now, some of these lots, $2,500, $2,700. Dang, there's a lot of activity. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Going to, If I switch to for sales, a lot of, oh, this is interesting. Oh, wait, wait. I have to change the days on Zillow to any. It's a decent ratio. That's a very good ratio, isn't it? Of yeah. sold to for sales. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost, I don't remember, it's almost one to one. There's 889 actives. And if I go to solds in the last six months, th- there's more solds than actives from the last six months right now. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now somebody's going to say, wow, what about the competition? There's, how can this little old me uh, who's just getting started? Make even make a dent in a county like this. Well, well, it's in that county that twelve hundred mailers yielded me what I just told you. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Oh, that's okay. No, hey, tell everybody which county you did. But did you hear that, guys? 
th- this is the county. I just found it kind of by accident mm-hmm. where Dan just looked at the numbers. He sees yeah. the activity and he's going to go in there and get deals out of it. Now, if I go, you're using uh prop stream. Prop stream. Can, can, yeah. Can I comment on the, the question you yeah. said about the person who says they're new? Yeah. Well, this is a great market for that because there are a lot more challenges here. So mm-hmm. there, do you, do you, are your listeners familiar with the perk test or should I talk through what that is? Yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Okay. So if you're going to put in a septic tank, right, if you do not have a sewer line at the street to connect to and you have to put in a septic tank, this varies from market to market. In some markets, it's just a matter of being more expensive. And in some markets, it's an actual yes or no. They call it a site evaluation now in Brunswick County, but the old-fashioned term is perk test. And it has to do with testing whether or not the soil will allow you to put a septic tank in. And if your lot fails, you cannot put a septic tank in. So that's something you need to be very aware of in this county when you're doing your due diligence, if there's no water and sewer. Along with that, there's just very substantial differences where one area has rundown trailer or you know mobile homes and then the next area is a nice golf course subdivision so all this to say this is a great market to really really niche down yeah. find your little area take the time to price things very granularly and you can get exceptional deals because it's hard if people are trying to spray and pray in this market they're going to be having a rough time because there are so many variables but as we're looking at there's a huge amount of demand uh, it's just taking the time to get over those hurdles and learn about your area within the county. I mean, w- w- just within that county, Joe, there is a huge amount of variation. So you really have to niche down. Yeah. Well, I, I like I like this. And, th- and that's one of the reasons why I like sending the neutral letters like we send, mm-hmm. because I can I can make the offer on the lead that actually comes in. But look at this. This blows me away. Brunswick County. I just went to PropStream. And by the way, if you want to get more information about PropStream, PropStreamJoe.com, you get 10,000 downloads a month, something crazy mm-hmm. like that for just $97 a month. So I went here and I did quick list, a quick list choices. I chose vacant land, right? I said owner-occupied, no. All that means is the address of the owner and the address of the property is different, right? I did property characteristics. I did 8,700 square feet to 43,560 square feet. That's about 0.2 acres to one acre. Years of ownership, I did five or more. And uh, I did absentee owner location. I did out of state and out of county. What that means is they don't live in that county. They live outside of that county. And I did include unknown sales date. This blows me away. There's 12,734 properties there. Mm -hmm. All right. Now I could even filter that more if I wanted. I could say, all right, well, I want them to own it for at least 10 years. They get 10 years, 11,224 properties that I just pulled here, I could pull if I wanted to, of people that have owned this vacant land for over 10 years who don't live in that county, they live somewhere else. Yep. What that tells me, yeah, well, when I think about, you know, having done this for a while, the avatar who most frequently sells is not desperate. They're more apathetic. They bought the land 10, 20 years ago, and they just don't want to deal with it. And so when I look at a new market and I see there's that many people who bought a decade plus ago who don't live there, I know there are plenty of people that would be happy to part with their land uh, at a low price if it's convenient and easy because uh, yeah. it's sunk cost in their mind. Okay. Now, a little bit I know about North Carolina. I wanted to ask this as well. Let me uh, switch my screen off there. A little bit I know about North Carolina is some of the areas where I've tried to do send mail to some of the, and I'm going in, I'm more rural. I'm not mm-hmm. you know, going after these little tiny lots here. Sure. Some of the HOAs are really restricted. And that's not as big of a deal for you, is it? Because 
I'm trying to sell land to people who want to go hunt and camp and put their, you know, do a, put their trailer or RV out there or whatever. So the restrictions for me are bad because I'm targeting recreational land. For you, sure. restrictions don't matter. It doesn't matter if these are in HOAs with a lot of restrictions, right? Does that make sense? Yep. What I'm yeah, I closed one today that is in an expensive HOA. It's already going to be under contract to sell, uh, hopefully by the end of next week. And uh, yeah, it's just a matter of being aware, right? If your HOA doesn't allow modulars, you need to know that for knowing who to market it to uh, if you're not just listing with the realtor. So it's just a matter of knowing your product and knowing who your avatar or end buyer is. Really knowing your quote-unquote avatar on both sides. Who's your seller you're marketing to and who's your buyer? So you can align your marketing appropriately. Okay. So you're selling land where there's a lot of activities. Oh my God, I'm just looking at Zillow again. There are tons of properties here that are selling for in these little pockets. Mm-hmm. Can I share my screen again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here we go. These little pockets, I don't know where this is. I just kept on zooming in. And ignore these these ones here. If I if I go to high to low. Can I make right. a couple comments regarding yeah. what you're doing right now? So yeah. guys, a couple things right away. Oftentimes Zillow classifies pre-sold new construction as vacant land. So if you see a bunch of lots for sale for 50 grand and comps, you know, 45 to 50, and then there's these outliers at four four hundred, those are houses that were built. Okay. So take those out. And then number two, really be mindful. It's less true in this market, but especially in Florida. If you look at the sold and it's a lot lower and it was not listed on market, it was very likely your competition who bought that and it's not a good comp. It wasn't exposed to the market of the MLS. Yeah, so that's a great, great point. You want to try to make sure, like this one right here I'm looking at, you can see there's a little icon there that was on the local MLS. I forget what it Mm -hmm. is, but it's 0.5 acres sold for $65,000, what, about six, five, six months ago. But you can tell it's from the MLS. So that's a good comp, right? Mm -hmm. It's a vacant lot. But yeah, these little half right acres. On. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, working on one right now in Bolivia on Riverwood Drive. Is that the same area I'm in? Looking, at I here? believe so. I think it might be that same subdivision. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of activity here, and this is recent activity. And yep. if I go to let's look at satellite image here, and you zoom in. All right, there's there's these areas that these vacant lots are selling, where there's some homes and then a lot of vacant lots. Mm-hmm. So who's Who's buying these lots then? It's small builders. Well, I take that back. Clayton Homes is there in the less expensive areas in the 20, the 15 to 30 price range. They'll buy for their manufactured product. And then otherwise, it's mostly small local or regional builders. And then also just the clients of those builders or the mom and pop who's going to hire one of those builders in the, in the coming years. So it's really not a lot of big institutions. Okay. Now, in this area, I'm zoomed in here. We're looking at all the actives. And there's 17 of them in this area. The mm-hmm. cheapest one is 34, and then there's uh, one for 45 that just cut their price 10 grand uh, a month ago. 45, 45, 49, 50, 56. Um, so, you're looking at buying and selling a lot here. This is your competition. What would you price yours at? You know, I'd want to go to the sold, and then a big factor in this market specifically is wetlands and floodplains. So you'll see markets or subdivisions where the prices are seemingly nonsensical, right? There's a 20 and then there's an 80 and then another 80 and another 20. So you need to go on the GIS and pull up the wetland and the the, uh, flood zone overlay and see if that comes into effect in your subdivision. Now, in this specific subdivision, I just, again, we're doing this very quickly. I would check those two 20K sales up at the top 
but yeah. it looks like the northwest side of this little subdivision is worth a little bit more. And I'd probably want to offer uh, again doing this quickly in the twenty-five-ish range, and then yeah. on the south end. I'd need to do a little more due diligence and figure out why there's such a range. Maybe there is a, something over there with a wetland or a flood zone or utility variation because there's a lot of variation I'm seeing on the southern part. So you're talking about the GIS mapping system. That's usually counties have those available to the public that's yes. free. You can yeah. also get it on MapRight where um, you can pull up your property and see the parcel and then turn on different layers, right, mm -hmm. for floodplain or wetlands. And um, so it makes... Would you still buy a property that is in a floodplain or would you totally completely pass on that? Yeah. So I forget the classifications. I can just see the color in my head for that GIS. The yellow is non, not that bad, still easy to build on. The blue is very difficult to build on. So uh, okay. if it's in the yellow, I, for example, there's a subdivision not that far from here where we have two lots. One of them is the one I just closed today that's selling next week. And there's a ton of demand. So I took the time to pull up the GIS with the flood zone and wetland, pull up prop stream and draw all the lots that aren't in the wetland and aren't in the bad flood zone uh, because there's water and sewer. There's tons of builders, tons of demand, but it's just, it's really granular because there's those other factors of the flood yeah. zone and wetland. Okay. So the, all these factors you have to look at when you're pricing your properties, you're sending blind offers. Mm -hmm. How are you doing that on a spreadsheet? Are you grouping them by subdivision maybe? Yeah. So I'm in that way. Yeah, I'm entirely visual, personally. Uh, so I have two, you know, behind this, I have two big screens. I put my computer up here, hook that up. I have PropStream on one, Zillow on one, and then over here, I'll have the GIS. And I go to the areas, so like that subdivisioning I was referencing, where, okay, they're all the same or approximately the same size. They all have water and sewer and are all the same zoning within the same neighborhood. And then I will, like I said, draw out the areas that do not have the floodplain and wetland and then price them all the same because they're pretty much you know the same thing over and over again. Um, there have been some markets where there's so much variation, I put a range on it. But generally speaking, I just pull lists based on an area that is all priced the same. And so I'll so in PropStream, are you drawing a polygon or something? Yes, yes. Ah, exactly. You're getting that granular. Yes, yeah. And that, that has worked very well for me. So yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people do that. Um, for me... My, I, I like to go, let's just download all 12,000 records. Let's mail them all a neutral letter. Hey, do you want to sell your lot? Text or call my 24-hour recorded voicemail. It goes to voicemail. And then I have a VA that looks at them first. Mm. And then a VA will look at each one. And we get we, Price will tell us what they think they sh we should offer. And then um, they give me a link to where that property is on Zillow. So I can click on that link and it pulls up the property. And then I can make a quick decision of what I want to offer that. Click a few buttons, it generates the letter and a contract. And then I send them back an offer based on what I'm just quickly looking at. You know, if I'm thinking I can sell it for 20, I'm going to make an offer for 5,000, 7,500 or something like that. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's so cool. You, you're going to spend the time up front or in the back end, right? Yes, yes. That's so okay. true. It's always hard on one end. It's never right. easy on both. Let's talk about how you're closing these deals then, Dan. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're, are you using your own money, private money? Um, are you using funding companies? What are you doing there? It, it, up to this point, it's been pretty much just my own money. Um, going into next year, I'm really, really working on scaling this. And so I am looking to raise some funds to just keep the, the wheel turning. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, have you ever raised private money before? Or is that yeah. new to you? you on a, a small scale, yes. Yes. 
What are some of the ways you recommend um, other new investors getting into this? Maybe have not done deals before. How are they going to raise, find private money? Well, when you're getting started, don't be short-sighted. And uh, if you have to give away half the deal to get it done, that's fine. Uh, ideally, you're not giving away that much. But when I very first started, there were a number of deals. I didn't have the money to close it. I just gave an investor 50%. They put up the funds. We split it at the end. Again, yeah. that's a lot. Uh, you can get it much cheaper. But really, really try and think long-term here because on your 100th deal, it's not going to have mattered. What's going to yeah. have mattered is that you got it done. Well, then you can tell your private investors, look at these other deals I just did. Yeah. Right? So you have some yeah. experience. Uh, let's um, talk about some of the tools that you use. What are what what do you use for websites when you're advertising, selling your properties? So I do list a good portion of what we have with realtors. Uh, that has been useful because then I have resources. Uh, they are a resource when I need comps, when I need feedback, boots on the ground. Uh, but I still sell a lot of lots through Facebook, through Craigslist. Um, and, and just those three sources as of now. Um, I have a front-end website for inbound leads. I don't have a back-end sales website because I'm not selling the rural recreational stuff. And I haven't found that to be as useful for the infill product. Um, and then I, my acquisition managers serve kind of dual roles because acquisitions for land is very simple. They do some disposition as well, where they're calling builders, calling realtors who sold lots. Uh, one of my favorite lists to pull as far as disposition on PropStream is I'll, I'll pull the area, right? I'll draw an area where all the lots are like the one I want to sell. I do three plus lots owned, purchased in the last 90 days, sold at or above the price I want to sell. And then what do you know? I have a list of someone who owns multiple lots just like the one I want to sell and has purchased at least at what I want to sell mine at. So that's a good list of cold call. Um, wow. Let's see, other tools. I'm switching from Pipe Drive to Pebble. I've almost fully integrated into Pebble. It's been great. Um, it allows me to send my mail through there. Every, all the data is in Pebble ahead of time. So it, as I'm scaling, helps me to take out the yeah. human element and rely more and more on systems and processes. There's always a human element, but less so when everything's fully integrated with SOPs. Um, so let's see, I, I said a lot there. Uh, what was yeah. the other part of the question or did that answer that? Uh, that, that answered that, your websites. But I was going to ask yeah. you about the CRM as well. Um, you're switching from Pipedrive into Pebble. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Pebble. I've looked into it before. <clears throat> um, do they have yet? Um, I know they're working on it, but integrated phone and texting. That comes out this it? month. It does? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? That, that is what I was told last Friday by one of the founders of Pebble. So uh, I, I can double check after the call, but I, I thought I'm 95% sure that's supposed to launch this month. Because I talked to Jesse a little bit about that a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I always get a bunch of people in his ears telling him, do this and do this and do this. Yeah, and I, sure, I, I, sure. I told him I was so adamant. You know, you've got to add in phone texting, outbound, inbound calls and texting inside the platform and yeah. email if you can swing it. Because um, it's frustrating to have kind of your phones somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Your leads are here and you're trying to manage and keep them all together. It um, is linked with email now. My email is attached. So you can send and receive emails in there. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So wow. working on getting there. Okay. So I'm going to have to look into it then. I love my freedom soft. That's like, <sighs> I love my freedom. All right. Let's talk about, um, I've talked about that. Find the money. Uh, do you have like a price range you're going after? Do you want to like a minimum profit? Um, I really don't want to do a deal unless there's a 10 K net profit or more. Okay. And that's after closing Everything. costs. Closing costs, paying my acquisition manager, everything. Nice. 
um, when you use a realtor, what about what commission do you pay them? Six in Florida total, uh, eight in Colorado, 10 in North Carolina. Okay. Um, you're closing with title companies or attorneys? You're not self-closing? Yes. Anymore? No, not anymore. I did that when I was starting with some really cheap stuff, but I, I, I'd like the title agent too, because that's just another resource. Whenever I have title questions or issues, or when the seller's uncomfortable, hey, you don't have to trust us. Go talk to our title agent. Yeah. Um, wh- one little tidbit there, guys. Having a frequently asked question sheet that we send sellers along with our offer once we're negotiating has gotten us so many deals where they're worried that it's a scam. And Joe, do you remember when you bought your house? Or do you remember when you bought this lot? Oh, sure. You probably didn't hand the seller all the cash, right? Oh, no, of course not. Remember the title company? Here, here's ours. Call Brooke. Call you know Laura. Uh, she'll explain the process and then that eases their mind and then they want to use us. Wow. Uh, you wouldn't be willing to share that FAQ, would sure. you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. you would? Yeah. Oh, all right. Listen, because um, uh, I normally when I have a guest on, I say, hey, can you give us something that we can give away to mm-hmm. our audience? And uh, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to put together a link and uh, we're done recording. Okay, great. And you can send that to me. Um, all right, let me... Remove one because I don't. I, yeah, let me remove another one. Here we go. JoeMcCall.com/slash Dan. JoeMcCall.com/slash Dan. I love it. Um, D-A-N. And this is a when you send an offer, it's just a one page. Maybe is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Frequently asked questions. I love that because that just helps them feel a little bit more at ease, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if um, here I'll send it to you right now. All right, so guys, if you want this. Go to joemccall.com slash Dan. And by the way, Dan, would you also email to me um, your preferred contact if people, you want people to w- want to reach you? Sure. Um, uh, your, you know, your, your Instagram, your Facebook, your YouTube, whatever it is. Yep. LinkedIn. A phone number if you want or an email. Because um, I bet you there's somebody here who's a private investor who would, would like to lend money maybe on some of your deals, right? Yeah, great. Somebody else watching this, listening to this, maybe has a deal in some of these areas and wants to partner with you on it, maybe it can send you a deal. You could maybe be a funding company for them mm-hmm. or yeah. something, just JV on a deal. Uh, so, oh, that's so cool. Thank you, man. Appreciate sure, that. Sure, of course. Yep. Um, okay, there's more questions I wanted to ask. Um, are you using a live answering service when the calls come uh, in? No, I've thought about that. But as of now, I just have my, my guys, they answer it most of the time live, but occasionally miss it and then just call them back. Okay. How many, about how many letters are you sending a week? Uh, I think of it in months. I've been sending about 8,000. So uh, that would be 2,000 a week. Nice. Uh, do you track your numbers? Like what are some of the KPIs that you use to track whether your campaigns are successful or not? I'm really working on getting better at this and getting this system down, which is part of why I bought Pebble because it's better for that. Um, but the primary thing that I'm uh, working on getting down to a science is just how many letters to get a deal and on average, what does that deal yield? Um, and I'm, I'm not as organized as I'd like to be. So I don't truly have that down to a T. Um, plus, yeah. just understanding the volume you need to send and to get a real regression to the mean, to get a real average. Uh, you have to be somewhere consistently over the long term to truly get a, a realistic number there. So working on getting better there. Nice. Super important. Yes. Um, are you, what, uh, you're using PropStream to mm-hmm. download your list, right? Yeah. Um, have you ever looked at priced or other list providers? You know, I looked at priced and uh, it does look to be maybe a little more useful for this difficult, these difficult to price markets. So I may end up just adding that to the tool belt. Yeah. 
there is a you can do a polygon search. Yeah, right. If that's yep. is that was important. Um, I'm out of questions. Is there? What does your team look like? How about that? Um, I have. Yeah, I have one full-time acquisition manager and two part-time. But this is probably where I've made one of the biggest mistakes this year is not doing better hiring, training, and managing because you still need a good salesperson answering the phone. Uh, You need someone who's trustworthy, who knows the product, and can close the sale. And again, learn from me on this, guys. When you hire, make sure you're not just putting a warm body in the seat. Make sure it's somebody who likes talking to people and who's good at it. Um, so next year I, I'm looking to consolidate two properly incentivized, well-trained acquisition managers can handle what I'm looking to accomplish next year. So I, I'm working on that. And that does, uh, it's in conjunction with having the pebble pebble properly set up with the systems processes and SOPs in place yeah. so that they can succeed. Yeah, that's awesome. Pebble will help a lot with that. Having a good CRM for yes, that. It for will. Sure. Yeah. Um, Dan, anything you want to say just to kind of wrap this up and um, talk about? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing, I you mentioned Brent the other day, I've been helping him and hosting a support call for him with his students for you know well over a year and a half now. And the, referencing what you said about people quitting, guys, if you're taking the time to listen to this podcast, if you know you want to do something, you can make millions of dollars in any of these niches. I think land's easier. I think it, it, it's it's a better niche, but whatever you do, pick something and stick with it. Stop oscillating between uh, uh, niches. Stop sending a little bit of mail and sending a couple texts and then a few phone calls. Pick something, stick with it consistently. And if you master it and become better than the competition, it gets a lot more fun when you're a few years into this. I'll tell you that. So just stick with something until it works. And you can certainly accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Consistency. Consistency is the key. Love it. Um, Dan Habercost, did I get that right? Nice. Yes. How can people reach you, get a hold of you if they want to reach talk to you? Yeah, Dan Habercost on Facebook or Instagram. I'll definitely respond if you message me there. Good. If you're listening to the audio, it's D-A-N. Habercost is H-A-B-E-R-K-O-S-T, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Um, appreciate you being on the podcast. I really do. Best of luck me. to you. And uh, it's been great, great show. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Oh, don't forget, guys, that link. Again, joemccall.com slash Dan joemccall.com slash Dan to get the one-page FAQ that you can include when you're sending out your offers. Love it. All right, we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye, everybody.